The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode 136. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest and the last episode of the latest season of Star Trek Discovery called That Hope Is You, Part 2. Joining me today on the panel, and it rhymes, joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. Hey, so can we do two minutes of previously on like they did at the beginning of this episode? <laughs> yes, sure. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Zero. I'm so glad we have zero <laughs> episodes left in this series to review. <laughs> so, uh, folks, remember to like The Secrets of Star Trek. Uh, on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Uh, retweet us on Twitter where we're at SQPN and uh, be sure to leave us comments. We'd love to hear from you and you know, what you think and especially your final thoughts on the this third season of Discovery and what you hope for in the future for future seasons of Discovery perhaps uh, and uh, so on and so forth. So let's let's talk about this. Yeah, there was a very long previously on uh, the last episode that we got which you know they're trying to set us up for the season finale so they're since it's a planned season they're trying to review everything in the season right uh, it's still just still meant we had to hit forward about three or four times on your fast forward button <laughs> to get yes. past it yes that's true uh and the title it refers is, uh, is a reference back to that first episode which is the that episode. and i didn't like the title the first time around so i was not it's it's another one of these because it's it's a line spoken to Michael early on in the season that hope meaning the hope for the Federation is you meaning Michael Burnham, and it's it's too Mary Sueish for Again, me. Yes, um, so I wasn't really a fan of that hope is you part two electric boogaloo. This time it's mm. personal. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> and the original title that was revealed and changed because they've been doing this the last three episodes is was called outside, which I guess is a reference to Sakal leaving the hollow ex deck ex experience that he was in. So, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll get to that. In, but everything you know. has to be about Michael Burnham. So it can't be about a momentous thing like saving us from another burn ever. Yes. Yeah. No, yes. Uh, no, no, no burn again. Yeah. I mean, you, but yeah, it's all, yeah, it has to be about Michael. So well, uh, I, I like the, I like the joke that next season is going to be about ham since this week was about burn. Next yeah, week this, will be about ham. Yes. Hey, I'll take a season, an episode or a season about ham. That'd be yummy. Uh, <laughs> so we start back in the nebula uh, aboard the holodeck on the, the derelict uh, ship called the Kiath. Uh, things are getting worse because of Sukal's outburst where we learned that he was the cause of the burn. Um, they have to be careful not to get him upset again or he'll turn into the Hulk or cause another burn. <laughs> you wouldn't like me when I'm upset. Uh, Adira shows up looking like a Zahian. Remember the Zahians that we've seen a couple times? I was trying to, trying to figure out what she was. I, I wasn't sure. 
they they did change the makeup up a bit, but it, it's it was Poe from the short trek Runaway is what it's oh, based off. Okay, of. and then later on last season too, she shows up again in in last season, the sec- second season. Uh, so and she's uh, accompanied by Gray, who looks like a Vulcan, uh, and Gray can be seen by Culber and Saru. So for some reason, the Hollow recognizes uh, this incorpor- incorporeal person yeah, as being so- real. So like how, <laughs> right? Um, and but obviously, okay, they're gonna they're gonna get him. If if a holographic program can physicalize Gray, obviously they're gonna get him a mobile holographic emitter in the future, just like the Doctor. Right by the thirty second century. In fact, the Doctor's hollow emitter came from earlier twenty ninth twenty ninth century. So obviously they have this tech. So uh, we'll 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 have to see it. It'll be walking around. By the way, before we get too far into the plot, I wanted to make a couple of comments about the episode as a whole. One of them is that the there's very visually dynamic direction in this. In fact, if you're subject to motion sickness, you may not want to watch this on a giant screen because we do lots of 360 barrel rolls during oh, yeah. the course of this episode. Um, but despite that, I I was very Overall, I mean, it had flaws, but overall, it was uh, I was much more favorably impressed by it than I than I thought it was not as bad as I was fearing it was going to be. What I liked about it is the same thing I liked about the previous episode. And if I if I thought about it, I mean, I'd probably still give a slight edge to the previous episode um, because this one does have a little bit of the problem tropes that we've talked about this season, but this is straight ahead action for the most part, and it's not reflective for the most part. It's just straight ahead storytelling, and it really is effective action. I am not a huge fan of action sequences because my general principle is that as long as an action sequence is in progress, nothing meaningful is going to happen to advance the plot until the end of the action sequence. But this episode is basically... Is large swaths of this episode are action sequences, but I thought they played very well. In fact, I thought that this may be the most effective action I have seen in Star Trek. Mm. Mm. Um, You know, because a lot of the time it's just shooting phasers at each other and things like that. And this is much more physical than that. And there's a sense of we're we're running to places that have meaning to do stuff. And and then, you know, getting into conflict with the people who were there and it this I thought this was very effective as an action episode. And I'm not normally impressed by action. Admittedly, I could have done without the turbo lift flying through empty, empty space within the ship. I do want to talk about that. The problem of that, which has been which was introduced in the J.J. Abrams ear, you know, uh, films of the how they Imagine the design of these ships as having these gigantic, cavernous, unused, empty spaces, which makes zero sense on a spaceship. Now, I mean, it, it, the way they design it in this one, I, I'm not a fan of, although I've not read the, the technical manual, manuals. I've never owned one of the technical manuals, but supposedly, according to the Enterprise D technical manual, it was originally came out of space dock with large cavernous areas because it was designed to be modular you could pull a module out of the ship put a new module in now is that the way they designed discovery no they didn't instead it's just got this big open area in the middle of the ship that all these 
these turbolifts can fly around. I, I did think it was interesting, even though, again, this makes no sense, because the turbolifts, if you have a big cavernous space, are are just going to be little airplanes, basically. You can fly them wherever right. you need. Flying through tubes. But, <laughs> yeah. but they have these sort of pseudo tubes with no walls, but they have these guides that the tube flies through, these like square guides, and which they don't need. So that makes no sense. But I did like the fact that they were self-replicating. <laughs> so right. so yeah. there's a new guide appearing where you're about to fly. Well, these guides guides looked a lot like the... Uh, trains on star wars on the prequels and clone wars uh, yeah yeah sure the, same yeah. kind of idea where there's these guides that it goes through that are just kind of floating in space yeah but if, but if you look at the outside of discovery the, there's no there's no room for these giant cavernous spaces unless there's nothing in the ship well there's less than 100 people on the ship so perhaps yeah. they, they like got rid of a whole bunch of rooms no, so they don't they, need them anymore i guess so Anyway, yeah, that's but that's neither here nor there. I, I agree. I like. I think the action was effective. I uh, it was uh, you could understand what was going on. Sometimes these action sequences, you, it's so confusing. You're not sure who's doing what and why and how. I thought it was well well directed. Olatunde Osunsami was the uh, director again, uh, who's also the director of Calypso, I think, which which was uh, pretty good. I think they were. But anyway, um, but uh, they've directed also- before. Yeah, it was also nice seeing the bridge crew in action, getting to do something together. And something occurred to me that I'm a little surprised they haven't said on the show, because it seems kind of obvious to me. It, it has to do with the reason that they would all go to the future. And they've said it was to keep Michael company so she won't get alone Um <laughs> But but. That, you know, but um, these people are explorers. Yeah. And and if given the chance to, I mean, it's like, OK, we're going to we have to send this ship, you know, 900 years into the future. Are you coming with or not? A lot of people who are out there as explorers would say, yeah, I'm up for that. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah they're explorers. They're scientists. They're. They're people who want to learn new, strange, incredible things. And what better place to do that than 900 years in the future? Well, and I mean, given a choice, like uh, if if it's someone just shows up, hey, you want to go 900 years of the future without being, being able to come back? A lot, most people would say, well, I think I'd miss my family. But you need to go 900 years in the future to save all of you know living existence. Uh, but you get to stay there and explore. Oh, OK, that's worth the price, you know, that I have to pay. Absolutely. Also, I assume these people don't really have families. Most of, I mean, I mean, immediate they don't family. have families, all immediate family off the yeah. ship. So I could see like why, for example, if the three of us were given this offer, Dom would probably say, no, I've got a right. wife and children here. Right. Father and I, however, both being single, father being a priest and I being a widower with no children might say, OK, I'm up for the time jump. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's the yeah. And so presumably the crew who did have off ship immediate you know family connections or that sort of thing said, didn't stay to keep Michael from feeling lonely. <laughs> exactly. <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so uh, meanwhile, back at uh, Starfleet headquarters, Discovery is flying around inside the bubble, shooting up the place. 
<laughs> well, Osiris ship is outside shooting out from outside trying to what they're trying to do is trying to get the discovery out from the inside the bubble, the distortion field. Um, she is now that she's been rejected her plan to merge uh, with the Federation. She wants to destroy the Federation. Uh, and Vance, interestingly, is evacuating the civilians. I'm not sure why this is a good idea. So, so you presume it'd be safer inside the bubble than outside the bubble with the big uh, Emerald chain ship there. Well, I wonder if he figures that she, her plan is to come in and take over the destroy. Cause yeah, I think he rightly understands that she, because she's been scorned and let, let's be clear. It's not that her plan was scorned. It was, she didn't like the fact that she would have to stand trial and it would have to be independent of her. She wouldn't be able to control the trial. And that's what set her off. And so she, so I, I wonder if he's, he's thinking, you know, he also mentions, though, he knows where her base is, her neck nearest base is. But I wonder if he's also thinking, but she could try to basically destroy Starfleet headquarters before on the way out type of deal. And let's get the civilians out of there before it's a problem. Well, and the the, the problematic part is he decides to send Stamets with them, which why would you like? Where is the safest possible place right now? The safest place for Stamets to be to not be taken by her and used is right where he's right next to Vance. So right? the problem is you're trying to apply logic to this situation, <laughs> Dom. Um, yeah. He, so for whatever reason, Vance has determined that this is not a safe place that, and so he's, he's doing what he can to get rid of everybody who is non-essential. And that makes sense. And I like the fact that he just is, tells Stamets, you're out of here. Sorry, but you're going. Um, and because you are the only person who can do the jump drive, you are too valuable an asset to have in this dangerous location. Now, that all makes sense. The problem is, is this as dangerous a location as he thinks? Because we've got one rogue ship inside the bubble, and that's Discovery. But, and, and, but we've got a fleet of other ships inside this bubble who have all been told to kill Discovery, how hard can killing one ship be? One thousand-year-old ship that's been well, retrofitted. It, I mean, it's it's I was going to I was going to say that, but it's been upgraded. Yeah, but still, um, you know, it it takes way too much screen time for what should be something very very simple. <laughs> yes, I mean, if you've if you've yeah. got a if you've got a a fleet of American warships, you know, you got a, a carrier group, um, let's say, and one of the ships in that group goes rogue and the others all fire on it simultaneously. That ship's going to go down fast. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so they have to they, they end up breaking out of the, the, the warp bubble, the bubble, the distortion field, and they're about to take off. And that's when the Vulcan fleet shows up, presumably from Michael's message to her yes, mom, to her mom, yeah. which was interestingly, we never get any of that. Like I said, yeah. well, and they also they needed to remind us that Nivar is Vulcan. <laughs> right. Um, but in which case, uh, don't change the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like I predicted last episode, that message to mom, I may not see you again. OK, guess what's going to show up to the rescue? Right, right. I, I was looking for the warrior nuns, but, you know, I was hoping for individual warrior nuns. But yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. take ships. And so Osiris uh, next uh, plan in, in this uh, to escape is to launch pesticide into space. 
Like I didn't, I didn't follow that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I mean, the only thing I could think of kind of head cannon is it's some kind of chemical or something that they could get into the, cause she was talking about it, targeting it towards their shuttle bays and things like that. So somehow get it into the ship. Yeah. Somehow they really ought to put doors on those shuttle bays Cause those seem like, uh, well, uh, well, a, well, a vulnerability they, that keeps getting exploited. I mean, if only they had silly things called shields. <laughs> right, right. It's, on these, you know, emergency force shields on these shuttle bays. I mean, silly ideas like that, you know. Anyway, uh, what happens is Burnham uh, tells Vance, trust me, let us let us go and, and we'll and we'll bring the ship back or however it is uh, the the the. The, the what she wants him to trust but uh he and he does trust her uh despite her track record uh and uh meanwhile a book is being uh tortured to give up his information about how to get to the dilithium pl- uh, planet in the middle of the nebula um and aurelio the scientist in the wheelchair is resisting uh this uh, uh, the orders from osira to help with the torture um, right, because he, he's having his eyes open to she's really a bad guy, and she chokes him into unconsciousness <laughs> yes. and tells him, you won't wake up next time if you disobey me again. Yeah, exactly. uh, I, I wonder if that's going to come back to hurt her later. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Gee, no way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Zara is there, and he... Oh, oh, I did like the fact that we learned that Orion hearts have six valves. Mm-hmm. Um and so the blood flows. She says that gives them bi-directional blood flow. It's like really, it, why? <laughs> yes, <laughs> that, obviously uh, metaphysical. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not sure the uh, writer was thinking this one out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Zara tells uh, tells Burnham and Booker that uh, this is a no-win situation, and Burnham says, "I don't believe in the no-win situation," a la Captain Kirk. All right, so she didn't face the Kobayashi Maru, or did she cheat too? Uh, would she predate? Kirk? She she should she well slightly, but I think Kobayashi Maru was a standard test. Yeah, when you know for a long time, but it was given to captaincy candidates, and maybe as a she only rose to first officer, so maybe she didn't have to. Well, well, and then there's the whole weird thing, like maybe she didn't actually go to the Starfleet Academy because she was like dropped off on board by you know, uh, by Sarek. Yeah. It was that weird thing. Anyway. Uh, meanwhile, back. In the, I, I, I yeah. do think the torture scene on book is effective though. Yes. Uh, they're taking advantage of his empathic nature and, uh, overloading his sense, his, his senses, uh, with this, uh, the pain thingy that they were doing to him. Um, and, uh, meanwhile, back in the nebula, Saru is trying to convince Sukal that Saru is a Kelpian despite appearances. Um, and the, because the holodeck is, masking his true appearance and he's doing a reasonable job at, at talking to Sukal. yeah th- there's a whole lot of chatting back and forth and about this there isn't a whole lot of movement in the in the plot in that part of it i mean there's you know Sukal is just struggling to deal with the unexpected and the 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 loss of these hollow characters that he's grown used to and that sort of stuff but there's not a whole lot of movement forward well, I mean, there's not a lot of action, but Sukal is getting on board piece by piece with what 
with what Saru is telling him. Um, he's, he's not irrationally hiding his head in the sand over and over again. I mean, if this were badly written, everything Saru tells him it would be like, no, 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 that's impossible. But this, no, 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 <laughs> that's impossible. And we don't see that. He actually is coming around. That's true. That's true. There is this. this he's starting uh, to understand. Yeah. With um, Saru making him a traditional Kelpian meal is part of that helping him. So they're, Showing, not telling in the, in that yeah. sense, which is good. So that's one of the ways is we've, we kind of we kind of complained about that before. But he's showing him, look, you you know, you can start to trust me. I know things about your culture. I can do things for you that the hollows didn't. And so he's trying to create this 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 bond and relationship with him. Um, Burnham ends up using the medical quarantine force field to escape with Booker uh, from sick bay, which was was it was kind of a, a neat. That was nice. Thing. She she also um, sends a message to Tilly that's kind of coded, but Tilly's able to figure it out based on personal knowledge that what she wants them to do is go to one of the nacelles, which are now detachable, and temporarily detach it, causing them to drop out of warp, allowing the Vulcan fleet to catch up with them. And uh, and then she does the smart thing and takes off the, the regulator comm badge and steps on it. So she can't be tracked through it anymore. Right. She learned her lesson. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it is one of these tropes of, of a lot of these shows is the I'm sending a complex plan hidden in a seemingly obscure message. And you're going to be able to figure that out just based on personal knowledge. I'm like that was, that was a pretty obscure like set of details yeah. that Tilly was able to pull out of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I love it where they, she figures out to make a thermal chemical bomb. Yes. A heat pack is thermal chemical. It's a chemical that reaction that produces heat heat that's called a bomb so they're making a bomb out of those little pocket heat packs that you can buy <laughs> yeah. at the store but isn't isn't like a it's like tnt basically it's it's a thermo it's a chemical that gets hot you know and explodes they're making an explosion they're making an explosion. is what it's saying yeah uh and they uh, the uh the bridge crew that's now you know working together they realize this is basically a suicide mission and at this point, because, I'm like, oh. because the oxygen is being slowly vented because Osira is slowly venting it to kill them slowly for reasons which <laughs> are I mean, she I'm, I, she's apparently doing a they will die if you don't give in to me thing. But she doesn't want to kill them immediately to lose all her leverage. Yeah. Well, and she even even says, like, you can't save them. So she's even saying, even if you give up now. Doesn't matter. I'm still going to let them die just because I'm spiteful and mean. Green. Or you just pull everybody, everybody that matters to you back to the bridge and vent every other deck to space. And then like, yeah, but that's that would be logical. Uh, so back on the in the in the, the nebula, uh, they're in the holodeck and they send um, Gray because he's disposable to go investigate what's going on outside the, you know, to investigate the Kelpian ship outside the holodeck. So the problem is that there's lots of radiation in the zone they need to investigate on the ship and to see what's outside and gray, not being alive, but just being a holographic representation of gray can go into that area without killing a, a living person. And he goes outside and sees lots of destruction, and I don't see how that advances the plot, but he does. Right. 
Kolber's theory is that the dilithium of the planet affected Sukal during chromosomal replication somehow. And so he can react to dilithium and through it to subspace uh, because there's a subspace component to dilithium. And so Sukal's screen traveled at the resonant frequency of dilithium subspace components and caused the burn. That, and so I think I still think this this he says he's a polyploid um, and that is he's connected to dilithium into subspace and. And I'm going. That's still dumb. <laughs> it's still um, dumb. Yeah, but I mean, this it, it 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 makes more sense if you say, okay, you 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 you're a time lord because you were conceived in the vortex. I mean, even that makes more sense, given <laughs> right. given given the way the Doctor Who universe works compared to the way the Star Trek universe does. But as soon as they said, as soon as they said that, I said in my notes, "Mom, death equals burn." Right. Yeah, it's going to be the thing. The thing that sent him over was his mom died, and that's what caused the burn. Right, and in fact, it's going to be even slightly more. But it's it's how emblematic is it of this season that uh, it's emotion that causes the great destruction. It's like in an emotion. Well, it, it's such such a lost opportunity. They could, you know, we talked about how many different possibilities what the burn was, and no, they had to go with emotion. You know, they they could have done. Like, you know, one of the things I thought is, okay, we knew this ship was crashed on this dilithium planet and maybe something the ship was they're trying to do at this ship to free themselves from the planet caused the burn. No, I I was I was hoping it was going to be something really interesting, like Section 31 or Tal Shiar plot. Yeah, right. Time travel. You know, we thought, you know, there's something about the time travel of discovery caused it. No, no. Angry, grieving little boy. Destroyed, destroyed galactic civilization. That's the plot they've given us. Angry, grieving little boy destroys galactic civilization because reasons. So, yeah, Sukal, um, in order to get out of this, Sukal has to face whatever is in the in the locked room that we saw before. Um, he, that's that's his bet noir. That is the 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 boss <laughs> this level. <laughs> so we could use different metaphors. Uh, meanwhile, back in Discovery, it's Oyo who has to finish the mission to, to blow the nacelle off um, and leave the others behind to suffocate because um, she grew up pearl diving, essentially. Uh, it's so she can she can hold her breath longer than everybody else, which is so she can hold her breath for 10 minutes, but she spends those 10 minutes talking, which <laughs> isn't holding her breath. Yeah. Speaking speaking of talking, we now go into the elevator sequence, which Michael begins the combat by standing on top of an elevator that has regulators coming into it. And she she says, up here, you SOB to get the guy to look at her before she shoots him in the face. It's like, why don't you don't shoot? Don't talk. It's, you yeah. don't alert the people you're ambushing. This is my one of the things of like TV writer stupidities that I see all the time, like in cop shows when they're coming to in, to uh, uh, interrogate a, a suspect who's like 50 feet away. Hey, we're cops. Oh, I start running away. No, stand next to him and go, oh, by the way, I'm a cop here to to interrogate you. And now I'm so close that I can grab you and you can't run. Like, don't announce your presence from like again, give up any advantage you have. And that's what she does here. Like, it drives me crazy. Stop doing this. Well, it, it's you know, you got these regulators who they're supposedly very highly trained, well trained, and they're looking for Burnham. They know they're looking for Burnham. They hear a voice of someone who might be her. Their first reaction is not going to be to look up. Their first reaction is going to try to find some cover and then look up. Right. I love when they walk into this little elevator and look around. 
as if like she's hiding in this closet of a space. Like she's obviously not there anyway. Uh, so there's a big fight that ensues. Yeah. Another note I have is that even though last episode we ended with the sphere data inside the dots, like reporting for duty to help you retake the ship, Captain, um, they've been really useless throughout <laughs> this entire battle. I mean, they have just been useless. Cannon fodder. Yeah. That's what yeah. they are. <laughs> and, and in fact, wh- what's his name? Uh, the bridge officer. Um, Reese. Reese shoots. I is, is it Reese? It's the... The Asian? The Asian looking guy. Yeah, yeah that's Reese. Um, yeah. So Reese like shoots a couple of dots and I'm going, wait, are those friendly dots or are there dots on the other side too? Does he shoot them? Or, yeah, it was a yeah, little confusing. Like, to I think there's one where it looked like he accidentally shot one. Yeah, oh. at least. <laughs> Good shot, Reese. <laughs> so uh, there is a we, we end this this fight sequence on the turbolifts with Burnham in the data core, which is which was kind of cool. I like the de- the design of the room. And That's it's like of a server room. Yeah, it's a 32nd century data core. So it's got that weird like uh, nano moving wall sort of thing. And it the, the action in there between Osira and Burnham fighting was pretty good. It was mm-hmm. I could follow it. Uh, and it ends with Osira pushing Burnham into the data core. <laughs> and then it's why? Like, wait, like yeah. why did you want like why? Why did you think that would kill her? Like, I don't well, get that. She, apparently she thought she was going to drown in data blocks or something, because when math, when Michael gets out of it, she's spitting them out. I guess. Right. But, yeah. but it's why would this be designed to have this happen? <laughs> right. You would think yeah. it would be don't don't absorb people. That would yeah, be a, a we, fundamental. We put, it, we put cabinets around our servers for a reason. <laughs> and, <laughs> and 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 if if you could shove someone into something like this, why doesn't it have a safety feature to stop that? From just for the sake of the person, it's 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 like the hammer pistons on Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yes, you know. yeah, that's right. They're it's, just there for this sus- for plot purposes. The thirty second century equivalent of shoving someone into a server and them getting electrocuted. So, yeah. uh, oh, by the way, yeah. Zara, the ice planet guy, has he's been killed. But I have in my notes that uh, that he deserved to die because he quipped rather than pushed a uh, book <laughs> out of the elevator. Right. Don't model insult to the cat. <laughs> yes. insult <laughs> to the cat. Yes. She's a queen. Uh, so, uh, sphere dot, uh, the sphere dot saves. Oh, and all the rest of them oh, survive. Yeah. So, so, Oh, has gotten up to the, one of the nacelles and, um, and planted the bomb, but now she's of course run out of, her ability to hold her breath. So the dot pulls her back. But this is like the third time, I think, that we've seen the inside of an Acel on any Star Trek series. Uh, the first time was in the seventh season episode of Next Generation Eye of the Beholder. And I believe we also saw one in the um, Enterprise episode Catwalk. Um, but we have, but we've only very rarely get to see the inside of the warp nacelle. So that was kind of cool. This- and this really isn't the nacelle. It's more like the the uh, the pillar that attaches the nacelle. But that mm-hmm. area is really interesting. Yeah, I like to see those. those I'm a tech, technical yeah. design geek. So. Oh, by the way, before Michael killed Osira, she Osira ordered her ship, the Viridian, which is much bigger than Discovery, to to gulp Discovery. So it opens up its maw, and now Discovery is involuntarily inside some kind of bay inside the Viridian. Right. Uh, so the, 
the right after it uh, falls out of warp um they i i have to say i want i, I meant to say this before when we're talking about oh well i really i really like this character i want to see too. more i liked her yeah. as the mirror oh well she was interesting and i like her yeah. in in the regular uh, oh so I'm, i want to see more of her I like her and Detmer. They're the yeah. two bridge officers that stand out most for me, that have the most personality, and I mm-hmm. like their friendship. Yes. You know? There's a nice friendship there. I want to see that develop. Well, it's, it's, of course, then they have, they have a bridge officer we haven't seen, this Lieutenant Ina, who she actually uh, has been on the bridge just in costume. She's, she's one of the, the other species she'll show up on the bridge once in a while, the actor has. But it's just like this random... Bridge officer that's been there the last couple episodes. I thought she was dead. <laughs> to be honest, I think she was yeah. going to die uh, in this because yet it's like, oh, she here's the one the we don't shirt. recognize. <laughs> She's toast. But she did. She <laughs> su- everyone survives. Uh, we have Moffat syndrome. They beam off all the regulators at this point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they, and, they beam off the regulators and then Michael reboots the server. So she says beam off all the regulators. Well, no, no, no. So, so there's, there's this preliminary step before they see all of the computer has been in, has been infected by malware from Osiris people. So what they've, the reason she's been going to the server room is to do a nuke and pave on on the computer. Yes. And so, so she wipes out all the existing data and reboots from to factory installation settings, which is apparently their pre-upgrade operating system. I don't know why they didn't put the current operating system in a partition. On a thumb drive uh, or something. They didn't update the <laughs> yeah. restore partition. <laughs> yes. But uh but any in any event they get they get their their pre Osira OS back up and that then lets her rapidly execute a series of commands, including get rid of all the regulators, beam them off the ship. But that didn't include uh Aurelio, who was technically uh, an instigator or whatever the like invigilator. In, invigilator. 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 Yeah. Invigilator. Although he, he may not have had there may be some piece of regulator tech that mm-hmm. they're using to identify each other in their systems and he may not have been wearing that because well, of his It role. might have been just the com the 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 regulator com badges. He may not have had one. Maybe there were other regulators left, but yeah, well, that's a whole nother thing. Anyway, uh so Aurelio is the one who says, because he's been studying the spore drive, like they have to get out of the inside of this, the the Viridian, the uh, Emerald Chain ship, uh, which is shooting them. And so he says Book's empathic abilities let, will let him connect empathically. To the mycelial network, the way, the way the tardigrade DNA lets Stamets do it. And so he'll be able to. So now we have a second person that can operate the jump drive. Uh, so it, they're going to drop the warp so, core? So, Okay. So this is where this starts making no sense. So they they they're all on the bridge, and Michael says we've got a plan, and Tilly says do it without hearing what the plan is first, and um, and and Tilly's the one in command, but she basically steps back and surrenders the captain's chair to Michael, which makes no sense. Um, I mean, I understand Tilly. You may you may have such confidence in Michael that you want her plan to go into effect unheard in emergency circumstances, but you are in command and you don't just surrender that command to someone else. You say, okay, I approve your plan, go do it. Um, But because they're trying to move Michael into the captain's chair, which they've been doing for a few episodes, they need Tilly to act inappropriately for an officer left in command 
Um, and I'm, it's like Star Trek Discovery. You've made your stupid writing choices. Now stick with them. <laughs> you know, right. she she at, at, with zero plausibility. She was made first officer and she was left in command. And Saru is going to expect to find her still in command when he gets back. Right. And let, so you've made this choice now carry it through. And so what it turns out Michael's plan is, is we're going to dump the warp core and blow it up to kill this ship. And, and, but we might survive if we can get book to interface with the system and jump us out of here. And it's like, okay, look, if, if he can interface with the system and jump you out of here, just do that. Okay. <laughs> right, right. You don't need to dump your warp core. Or if you want to play with the warp core, just start building it towards critical and get on the phone and tell whoever is in charge of the Viridian that we're going to let this detonate if you don't spit us out. And right. frankly, whoever is on the bridge of the Viridian even if they don't get a phone call from Tilly or Michael, should have someone say, Captain, their warp core is building towards critical. It looks like they're going to self-destruct. We should spit them out now. Mm. Well, and, you know, and so you've got yeah. like three plausible solutions here. You don't need to do this kludge together thing. And let's not forget that there's that Starfleet Vulcan fleet surrounding them that was following them through warp. Yeah. That it's on the outside. Well, well, and they did at least cover that one by saying, you know, send a message telling him to get to safe distance. Well, not and of course the yeah. whole thing is the whole thing is uh they wanted the big explosion. Well, they wanted to see the ship buckle and go kaboom. You need the Death Star um, moment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they did, by the way, you know, talking about sound and space, they did muffle the explosion. <laughs> yeah, they did on that one. Uh, but, you know, I, I agree. It was it was yeah. the whole thing was ridiculous. But, you, you know, Jimmy, Michael, that hope is you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's going yeah. back to the title. It really is. It, 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 and it was just we're going to get her in charge. Yeah. Well, so, I, that was that was what I wrote down, too. It's like, OK, if the warp drive will work or the spore drive will work with a book, then get book down there, get him spore driving out of there and maybe they could leave some you know quantum torpedoes behind or something to explode as soon as you know program that as soon as discovery spore drives out of there then go boom yeah 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 it's just ridiculously juicing the drama but i do have in my notes memo to villains if a ship in your base starts building to a warp core overload spit it out <laughs> that's right that's right uh back on the nebula saru is telling Sakal oh, to... Oh, he, and, yeah. and then when they do jump, we've got this ridiculous juicing the drama. Book, book, when are we going to jump? When are we going to jump, book? And then and they don't show us them jumping, and we just maybe they were destroyed. They <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then that's the end of Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the, fir the first of two last-second saves. They couldn't just have one last-second save in this episode. No, they have to have two. Right. So, you know... As so, the, sh the the ship on the planet is disintegrating, well, let's not let's not. I got a couple of notes I want to say before we get to that part, okay? Because <laughs> there is a few things to say. So Saru is telling Sakal to take a leap of faith. Um, Culber tells him it's okay to be afraid. You know, more emotional stuff. Uh, what they do is they go onto the bridge of the of the ship. He ends the hollow program uh, that they've been that he's been living in, and then sees a hollow recording of his mother dying, and he finds out. 
Well, he has to pull, he has to pull that up. Right. He says, he, show me the last thing. He puts his hand. Yeah. It was interesting. He puts his hand on a control that's initially small, like a child's hand. And then it, it, the computer expands it to fit his adult hand. So it, to tell us he's done this before. Um, yep. And, and th- this is his big fear that he must face to right. to yep. leave, even though he doesn't because he could have just shut off the holo program and left. There's nothing holding him here at this point. Right. Right. It, well, and so what he finds out is, is that he's responsible for his, killing his family, that he he somehow as a child turned off the safeties or the shields or something that was that was preventing his people from his family from I, dying of radiation. That's not, Dude, I didn't that's not how that. I read that. See, uh, I, the way I read it was um, his mother knew that she was dying, that his family had died. Yeah. And to protect him, she created the hollow. So right. this hollow was created after they had crashed, but before they had, the family had died. They, you know, they crashed. They got radiation poisoning, except for him because he's, a polyploid that got he was, conceived in the time vortex in the nebula or something. And, yeah. and he then, and they stayed there for like five years and yeah. then his, his family progressively died. Then his mom is dying now and she's created this thing for him and he sees her die and she's disfigured by the radiation and he freaks right. out and that causes the burn without him knowing it. Oh. He was he was told not to turn it off until the Federation comes. Because remember, when they got that distress message, it was what two years after it had crashed. Right. She was pregnant at that point. Right. With the distress message after two years after they had crashed. So she had created the hollow to protect him until the Federation, because she knew she wasn't going to survive until the Federation got there, till the 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 rescue ship got there right no i, I and he was yeah. instructed not to turn it off until the federation comes but he does just in time to see her die he turns off the hollow the hollow right well that's the thing is is that okay i thought it was he turned off the safeties that that caused them to die but it was he just turned it off and saw her die when he wouldn't yeah, have seen her right. die um and and that's what he cried out in agony and caused the burn uh but, and and the fact that we came to different conclusions about this shows how good the writing is at this yeah, point. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. Um so he didn't just yeah. I so my note was he didn't just kill his mother and everyone left, but he evidently he didn't kill them, but uh he did kill billions of people throughout the galaxy directly and indirectly uh by cutting you know cutting pe- the 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 people off from other planets through interstellar travel and all that stuff presumably resulted in death and destruction on a huge scale. Which, well, which galactic civilization fell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And this is the point in the episode where we get the line that frightened me from the previous teaser trailer, which was Saru saying, whatever happens, we are together. Yeah. And okay. He wasn't saying that to the crew. He was saying that to a 130 year old man child. So that's a little bit better. Yep. Yes. Uh, yeah, this is, and he finally sees, you know, call sees Saru in his true Kelpian form and is in wonder at having met a Kelpian finally. Am I the only one that was almost shocked to see Saru back in <laughs> it costume? Was, it was a little startling. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, we are told that connection and the need to connect is at the core of our sentient beings. Uh, thanks for the pop psychology. <laughs> now, uh, you see, now we're in, now that we're past the double crisis, 
now the quality of the episode drops. It was much more entertaining up to this point, but we are told and not shown in rapid succession that the Emerald Chain is collapsed because Osira, the, the mob boss, was so critical to it. And we all know that that's what happens to a mafia or a British East India company when one when its current leader leaves office is it just collapses, of course. Well, you could say there was fighting among the 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 remaining uh, capo to you know capo de capos and and the who who will take over. We even know that like the Emerald Chain has like an actual Senate and things like that. You know, it's like the the Republic before the Emperor took over type of. Or the, the, the separatists before. Yeah. You know. Well, yeah, there there might have been internal fighting over who gets to be the lead. But yeah, but that doesn't mean it automatically collapses just because no. Osira. We have um, to get rid of them. Their threat, basically. Yeah, yeah. So we're told that Trill has rejoined the Federation mm-hmm. and yep. Saru or and um, the Vulcans. Are uh, considering Vulcan, it. Vulcan yeah. and well, the Nivar, since it's Nivar. Vulcan and Romulan Nivar, yeah. now, yeah. they're they're considering joining. Um, Saru is taking a leave of absence to go to Kaminar to help uh, Sukal uh, reintegrate. Mm-hmm. And we also get a cameo by L- Lieutenant Sahil, the Indian East Asian guy from episode one, and he's yep. officially part of Starfleet now. Mm-hmm. And then we come to another chapter in the improbable career of Michael Burnham, <laughs> yep. where we get to have Burnham, you're the best uh, again. We have uh, Vance giving his adulation of Burnham and then promoting her to captain. And, yeah. and she gets to say, oh, shucks. We do. We do uh, find out why he was so concerned about getting civilians that he doesn't even his own family had been long ago sent to away. Right. He was it, that concerned about safe. the yeah. safety of the Starfleet headquarters. So. Right. Yeah. And now Discovery is uh, is going to be ferrying dilithium that they're extracting from the planet in the nebula to rebuild civilization so we have the discovery dilithium delivery service no no no. (laughs) they are now the DoorDash of dilithium (laughs) okay oh i like there you go (laughs) i should invert that dilithium DoorDash. yes yes but it's getting you gotta have the alliteration in there so that yeah discoveries dilithium DoorDash. (laughs) yes and they all get new uniforms and it's like wait Shouldn't if you were going to give them new uniforms, shouldn't you have done that in the upgrade when they first joined 31st century Starfleet? Mm-hmm. You know, this Corey. is the sign that they are. This is now the sign that they are part of uh, part of Starfleet. Yeah, uh, there's something I found online about that, though. I think they changed plans halfway through uh, recording these final scenes. Uh, Tilly was originally given a red uniform, a red stripe uniform as command. And I think they changed their mind that she should still be science blue yeah. so they changed so there's the one scene where there's a zoom in on her she's standing next to reese and there's zoom in on her and they actually had to go in and photoshop airbrush in the blue now there's a later scene where she's wearing a blue uniform a uniform with the blue so they must have made her a new uniform at that point it looks like By they changed point. plans on the future of tilly uh which is she's not going to be acting or permanent first officer right. which thank because there's there's the scene where they're lined up at in front of the um, in front of the, the turbo lift door waiting for Burnham to show up. And you can see her standing next to the door and she's got the red stripe. This is a, a it's a, I don't think it's in the, the actual video, but it, it's on the Star Trek dot com site of, you know, they take pictures of telesnaps going back to Doctor Who 
of the, the while they're filming. I, I I don't know that they're done with Tilly as first officer though, because with Saru off the ship, this may be the Michael and Tilly show when we come back. It could be. It could be Saru comes back as first officer, but that would be really weird. That he, that the would captain, be even weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or it's that new character could be a new character that they that they'll bring in. It would be interesting if they brought that that officer from the thirty second century that they had earlier who had come aboard as a the liaison. Lieutenant. Yeah, maybe something like that. It could be interesting to to have a little mix there. But yeah, they might just have Tilly again. Uh, Stamets is still holding his grudge against Burnham. That I noticed, you know, when she was seeing Stamets and Culber reunited, he was not happy with her. Uh, that was another bit. And then we- even even when they were doing this, this they're standing there on, on the bridge. He, he wasn't quite as happy as everybody else was. Right. That's Stamets. <laughs> He's not happy with anything ever. Uh, and then at the end, uh, Burnham, she's got the catchphrase that Saru was always searching for. She Hers is, let's fly. Let's fly I, with I'm me. Glad, fly, I'm glad fly. they didn't have that conversation again. It was <laughs> funny on Lower Decks. It was cute with Saru. Yeah. It would have gotten old yeah, with Burnham. Yeah, no, they, they did. And then we end with an on-screen quote from Gene Roddenberry about being because aliens this on a strange the, planet. This mm-hmm. is the 800th episode. 800 first but yeah the but or or something like that but yes there was the and it's a quote about um if during our whole lifetime we could reach out and really communicate with just two people we are indeed fortunate and that wasn't interesting like so in other words he's saying that real communication is something harder than just talking yeah Yeah. oh and 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 they also they also had the tos closing theme the alexander courage theme yeah yeah that was that was nice i like that that's how this episode ends. Do you have any notes about this episode? Because I want to briefly talk about the future of Discovery. But any closing notes on this? It wasn't a bad. It really wasn't a bad episode. You no. know, we grumble about it, and there there are things There's obviously things. big holes, yep. big holes you can fly a, a turbo lift through. <laughs> but um, self replicating big was, holes was, you could fly a turbo yeah, lift through. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, and it, it was, but it, it was not a bad ending for, frankly, a mediocre season. I, I, you know, honestly, looking at the season as a whole, I would put this between one and two, as far as it was better than much of season one, not nowhere near as good as season two. It was okay, I guess. I would say the last four episodes of this series had a big jump in storytelling because they included much more just straight ahead plot and much less wallowing. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, I if they take a lesson out of this and I I don't know what the they don't have really ratings because it's a streaming service. I don't know what the viewership has been like for them. I'm I'm guessing based on anecdotal evidence that it was that it was lower than before, but uh, hopefully they take some lessons out of this and kind of go back to some of what made season two the best season so far. Um, so let's talk about the future then. Uh, fourth season is currently, as we record, in production. They are actually filming episodes. The fifth season was supposed to be filmed back to back with the fourth season, which is interesting, uh, but that due to COVID has been. We don't know when they'll film the fifth season because the fourth season filming has now been ex- extended. Uh, they will be set in the 32nd century. According to uh, Alex Kurtzman, I think it was, they're not going back. This is a permanent uh, change. Um, well, the crew may eventually go back, but Discovery will be left in the future because Calypso. Right. But I think he, I think he said like the they will not be showing 
them in the in the past. This this Star Trek Discovery is now set in the future. So that uh, is interesting. And it's possible the crew doesn't ever go back and that that'd be fine, you know. I mean, that would fit the the whole idea, so. Filming for the season is scheduled to end in June, so take what that what you will how when the next time we'll get to see, see when we'll see season 4, probably not till 2022. Not probably not the rest I, of the year. I would guess about this time this time next year, if not even longer, depending because, you know, of course, a lot of the post-production stuff can be done remotely. You know, there's a lot of that stuff. Once, once they have the actual film film in the can, so to speak, or on hard drive, <laughs> yeah. uh, a lot of that stuff can be done from home, home remotely. Computers. So, yep. Uh, everybody's coming back. All the, uh, the entire cast, including David Cronenberg as Kovich, which is interesting. Yes. So apparently he still plays eyeglasses. Yeah. Eyeglasses. Yep. Uh, Janet Reno will only be in the second half of the third season, uh, fourth Maybe. season. So the, last I saw, she was still kind of up in the air just because of travel stuff and, uh, her own career. Yeah. She didn't um, get much outside screen time in the last several episodes anyway. So, um, and they're going to be using the same technology that was developed for the Mandalorian, the volume or space. So they don't have to do as much location shooting like they did. Uh, this year, which also should also should make post production faster, since they don't have to create as many uh, uh, post production CGI. They can just put it right up on the screen as they're filming. That's one of the things that makes it faster. Yeah. So, so this technology is basically next gen rear screen projection. Yes, uh, it's or more green screen or. Well, no, it's. It's not green screen. It's it's projected on a wall and the lighting okay. uh, is 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 there. Like if you watch The Mandalorian, almost everything you see there is in this space, including the outdoor right. places, which is kind okay. of fantastic. It's really, really a phenomenal technology. It, it's cool. it's rear projection. It just doesn't look fakey anymore. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. If you ever get a chance to watch uh, the making of The Mandalorian stuff on Disney Plus, You'll get an idea of how it works. It's pretty amazing. I haven't done that yet. I'll go do that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's about what we know of upcoming. Oh, and one thing about Book that we didn't talk about is he, at the very end, tells Burnham that he's going to let, after all this is over, I'll tell you all about my mentor, the real Cleveland Booker, and why I took his name. And that was that. So we have to look forward to that, I guess. And of course, yeah. And of course, that's something they, they hinted at, that he was going to mention what it, where the name came from, like, episode three yeah and we haven't heard anything since so, so still to come uh i guess that's that about does it um any final thoughts on the third season? I mean, we kind of had a little bit of our third season wrap up but any final thoughts on what we've done um one, one thing i will say is it's, it's clear that gray will be coming back because they did have that scene where they all saw him and everybody was happy yeah and whatever yeah <laughs> i'm looking forward to boldly going somewhere else for a while <laughs> yeah yeah let's go where we haven't gone before <laughs> all right let's wrap it up at, uh, we, yeah i was gonna say actually maybe we should mention that we do know lower decks are coming out later this season or later this year yes lower decks. the second season lower decks yep. that's in post-production right and we do know that uh Strange New Worlds is in pre-production right now. But again, that's all stuff that can be done remotely. So we do have other stuff coming. And Picard 2 is coming some point, maybe, possibly. But all this stuff is not filmed yet. So it's all probably going to be after the next season of Discovery. Exactly. Which, unfortunately, which means it's, we have a long wait. Till Except we get Lord, Lord Dex. Except that, that for Lord Dex. Likely will be, that'll yeah. probably be this summer, this fall. And we've talked about it. We probably will, will be doing Lower Decks uh, episode by episode or some form of that, maybe two episodes at a time or something along those lines. We'll come up with something rather than talk all, all about it at once. It, it, it's worth 
it's worth talking about individual episodes. Told you. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy's right again. Anyway, let's wrap it up. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Tristram C, Nate and Jessica V, Daniel B, Aaron W, and Rocco F. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. Now is a great time to become a StarQuest patron thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter. When you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give, the first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor. So if you become a patron at $10 a month, after three months, our donor will give $30 to StarQuest to support all our shows including this one, making your gift go even further. So if you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now's the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. So that's it from us. What did you think of this last episode of Star Trek Discoveries Season 3 or the whole season as a whole? Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Star Trek Voyager episode, Heroes and Demons, the, the Beowulf episode, if you remember. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, live long and prosper, and warp me. <laughs> and once again, <laughs> I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, whatever happens, we are together.